often wondered why it is we have children. And the conclusion I've come to is we want someone to get it right this time. But not me. Personally speaking, I can't wait to watch life tear you apart. Indigo, is something wrong? Yes. My father is dead. Richard Stoker was a family man, taken from us by a cruel twist of fate, the reasons for which are unknown. India, come and say hello to your Uncle Charlie. Hello, India. I'm curious about what happened to my father. by Stroker now, because I hear that's what your mom's been doing to your uncle. Couldn't we talk about your living here with Charlie like this? It's a bad habit, you know. Sneaking up on people? Following uncles around. It's that time. Time to head down the stairs behind the movie screen and join the crew. We are film critics, directors, actors, and cinephiles all gathering to talk about what we love the most, the movies. So join us as we celebrate 10 years on this Mr. Toad's wild ride. Grab your favorite drink, pull up a chair, and stay a while in the place where the conversation is fresh, but we do spoil the movies in... The Spoiler Room. And here we go. Go. Maybe. You need to restart your computer. <laughs> no, I no, I do not need Uh-oh. to restart. I do not need to restart my computer. But some people may need to restart their brains after they hear our movie of tonight. It is another Perfect Ten episode. Everyone, thank you for venturing down the stairs, pulling up a chair, and grabbing your favorite drink to talk spoilers in the spoiler room. Hell, and uh, yeah. Excuse me. Uh, tonight. Oh, look at that. Already down the wrong pipe. We're starting off real good here. Hold on. (laughs) Uh, Oh, wow. Sorry. Yes, tonight. Oh, see, he's got an opinion, too. Uh, We're talking a film like we all are with our special uh, Perfect Ten episode. We were talking about a film that is celebrating its 10th anniversary along with us. And uh, I believe uh, I forget. I think it was Ian spun the wheel. You spun the wheel last month. Uh, I don't know. It seems so long ago. I've been, I was up uh, during the world's largest trivia contest and I, I played about uh, 48 of the 54 hours. So uh, brain is still <laughs> trying to get out of that trivia mode. But in any case, last month they spun the wheel 
and it was Stoker. So today we are talking Stoker 2013 uh, with an interesting cast, with an even more interesting premise. And I have some wonderful, interesting, talented folks with me tonight to talk about it. First off, she's back with us from the horror retrospective. It is Kara. Hello, Kara. How are you? <laughs> Doing good. Glad to be back. Glad to have you. You were uh, there uh, visiting us with Dogville, and now uh, we're visiting Stoker. So, so glad to have you here uh, to get uh, another perspective besides just Ian's and mine. Uh, so especially, I'll be very curious on what you thought of this uh, coming-of-age film. <laughs> and uh, speaking of coming-of-age, I think Ian is here. I don't know this. <laughs> Well, I am developmentally arrested, so I, I take your point. Yes. How you doing, Ian? <laughs> doing pretty good. Um, although I gotta call, I gotta call bullshit right out of the gate, Mark. This is supposed to be uh, the 4D month. Um, yeah. Nicole yeah. Kidman in 4D. She was. This is an hour and 40 minute movie, and she was in it for what, maybe 12 minutes. Yeah, I know. I know. What are you doing to me, Mark? I, I, after I'm, after the blockbuster performances of the first I, I know. few episodes, I, I was like, oh. well, although she did, she Judy Denched it up, man. She made the most of her screen time. Yeah. Well, yeah. now that you've seen it and seen the theme, you see why I kind of had trouble coming up with a a theme month for this to where we would have people raising eyebrows. So, uh, <laughs> but tonight, yes, it is Stoker and, uh, Cara, how would you like to try to give the synopsis of Stoker since you're fresh off from watching it? Uh, uh it's, it's definitely, a, a very unique film, especially, um, if I remember correctly, this is the debut film from, Chan Park Wook. So it's, mm -hmm. you would definitely go in expecting something out of the ordinary, but um, I, I get the sense that it, they're not the usual dysfunctional family. There's something a lot more out of the unusual that's going on. It's kind of <laughs> weird to explain it, but it's, it's, you've got this dark family secret that no one really talks about. It's kind of like that one uncle that is is so secret nobody knows he exists because no one talks about him yeah yeah and uh we've got a death in the family and he moves in with the widow and there's a daughter involved and yeah uh <laughs> things take an interesting turn it's 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 definitely an unusual film you're right i remember when this came out the big deal of it was was it was Park Chan Wook's uh, first Western film because he was known for uh, the Lady Vengeance and you know the, the mm -hmm. Old Boy trilogy you know across uh, the Pacific but and people knew his works there but I believe you're right that this was his first Western film like with with the you know actors and the studio and everything and uh, yeah uh, <laughs> and it doesn't have a bit of martial arts fighting in it <laughs> at all. Well, the, I mean, it has very good character development. I think um, even just the, the wardrobe plays into it extremely well of just how unusual they are in modern day society, even though it, it exemplifies that they're, they're educated. They're, they're obviously, what would you say? Um, they're well off, but mm -hmm. um, 
and maybe it's just me, but it, it kind of touches on Alfred Hitchcock to to a degree. Like at least I kind of picked up a, mm-hmm. a reference there. Um, oh yeah, with Shadow of a Doubt. Oh yeah, there no, there's a lot of references here. One thing you've got to give Park Chan Wook uh, credit for for his style. He's got his own identity and. He doesn't seem to waste a frame much, I will say, with this, or at least a scene. He definitely, uh, you know, and the film's only, it's not that long. It's This film's only, uh, you know, 90, uh, uh, 99 minutes. <laughs> you would think a film like this nowadays would be like over two hours, but no, it's it's lean in its runtime considering what it is. But I want to first get your first initial impressions with it, so we'll start with Ian. Ian. What is your initial feeling with uh, Stoker? Um, okay. I'll say I felt like Park Chan-wook was a Hitchcock obsessive, but he had only ever seen the movies of Tim Burton, <laughs> and this is the result. I did not like this movie. Um, I found it morally, yes, I'm going to say it, morally reprehensible. Um, But the weird thing is, like, I wanted to turn it off through probably the first hour and 15 minutes, but that last half hour is quite a banger. Um, Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, and and as I mentioned to Mark in the pre-show, I had this really bizarre experience. I mean, this is the spoiler room, so we can talk freely, I assume. Yeah, by all means. um, I, this weekend, I <laughs> I went to go visit my younger brother, whom I hadn't seen in several years, um, and we uh, had a rather contentious uh, confrontation. Um, that uh, yeah, there was there were some concerns there. So I came back. I you know, hey, I'm going to sit down and watch this nice bit of oh, escapism, and, and oh. here it is, right in my face. <laughs> oh, I'm so now, yeah. He, he, he did not bash my face in with a rock, fortunately, but uh, it got pretty hairy. Well, um, that's yeah, good. <laughs> it, yeah, it was. Um, no, I the yeah, it's got style, but I think it's like pretentious as all hell, and I can't tell if Aww. that's just him, like trying to be artsy in a Western context. Now, also, I guess got to give this bit of you know context. I I did not like his version of old boy and i'm gonna be the guy who says it i liked spike lee's remake of old boy more than i liked the original wow um, i bet did you did you do that review online and did you get some comments <laughs> oh i'm sure i did uh, i mean this is 10 years ago oh sure but, sure yeah but no the thing uh, is like i i don't mind artsiness and mystery and you know what do you think it means you know i'm i'm a, I'm a terrence malick fan um but I think there's it's a very fine line and I felt like Spike Lee got to the heart of the narrative of Old Boy and did away with all this stuff that doesn't really mean anything that you're supposed to think means something because it's quote unquote artistic and I see that here <laughs> like the whole thing you know he does these flourishes like oh my god look at all these white boxes with yellow ribbons and this this is this object is yellow and oh my god look there's a bird egg and it's going to transition into into Mia Wasowski's I, what does that mean? Nothing. Um, you know, oh my God, she's laying in bed and she's surrounded in a horseshoe shape by the boxes of all the shoes she had going back to her childhood. No one does that. You know, it's just, it. like, I liked the end of this movie because I felt like it, it laid everything out and kind of cut through the BS. Um, I just wish there had been a bit more of that 
uh, in the beginning. But, you know, stylistically, as far as craft goes, like it is a very well-made film. Um, my other, I guess, issue with it, and I know these are high-level thoughts, so I'm just kind of vomiting it all out. Uh, Nicole Kidman was fine. I think she had a really great kind of final scene, like that speech that mm -hmm. we'll talk about the trailer too, which gives away everything. Yeah. Including the opening of the trailer is her delivering the, the kind of thesis yeah. point of the entire film that happens at the very end. It's the first thing you see in the trailer. It's like, now I don't need to watch the movie. Um, yeah. But... <laughs> The, I'm glad Mia, I watched the trailer after the movie. <laughs> Me too. I, I, I that's my, know, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. I knew nothing about this going in, and I'm so glad that I avoided it. But mm -hmm. the, the trailer, but you know, Mia Waskowska, she has this kind of a one-note thing that she's kind of doing the sullen Winona Ryder thing from Beetlejuice. Mm -hmm. If that character were serious, and it's really uninteresting, except when she's coming in the shower, I'm like, why is she crying? Oh, she's never shown emotion before. And she's doing it now while she's having an orgasm. And Matthew Good, I don't like as an actor. Uh, mm. The best way I can describe him is, Mark, you're a comic collector, so you'll understand this. Maybe. And you go to the shop, and it's new comic book day. And they've got him all out on the rack. You know the title you want. Say it's Dark Knights of Steel. The first cover you come to, you could tell someone's been rifling through it, and it's got a bend in it or a scuff. And you're like, I'm going to finger walk my way to the back and get a perfect copy. Matthew Good is that first copy. He's like, it's <laughs> wow. the same thing as I'm going to get anyway, but there's a better version just a little bit further on down the line. <laughs> wow. And Cara. That's my piece. Yeah. <laughs> and Cara, how do you feel about Stoker? This is going to be a very interesting conversation. Um, um, honestly, I'm, I'm the opposite. I liked all the artsy-fartsy stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, me being me, I, I liked all the symbolism. I just, I like being able to read into things and analyze it. And even if I'm just, you know, um, farting flowers into the air, I like to be able to say, well, I think it's this and I think it's that. <laughs> That's a wonderful that expression. I'm stealing that. Yeah. I am. Sorry, we're stealing that car. Farting <laughs> flowers into the air. That is beautiful. That is fantastic. <laughs> I usually say making a lake out of a puddle, but I like farting flowers. <laughs> you got you got to retire it. Car is car is giving you your new catchphrase. Giving you a new catchphrase. <laughs> um, well, I'm I'm a I've got I've got some very uh, interesting tastes uh, and, and perspectives. I guess I really like the visuals of this movie, uh, Park Chan Wook. I as people follow this show, uh, they know some of the films I really like. Many people hate. And I like them not necessarily for the story, but for the visuals. And as Ian put it, the craft. This film is a very well-crafted film. And the first time I watched it, I watched it on my TV. The second time I watched it, I watched it with my headphones. And the sound design in this film is actually... I, I liked what he did with the sound in this film uh, quite a bit. But more, more importantly, I just like the visuals. Even if they aren't, if they're just there to be artsy, I, I, I like that sort of stuff just because it's different and it, it breaks away from the norms and the, the rest of the story breaks away from some of the norms we get. But at the same time, familiar. It's it's kind of interesting how it is because as as Ian talked about it, yes, we have uh, Mia and at least at least they make her character 18. Okay, mm -hmm. 
she, she, <laughs> she's barely barely eighteen. Okay, mind you, but at least they do they do that much. This is a Western. Fit. We're gonna make her. She she just turned eighteen, but she's eighteen at least. So you're 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 like okay, yeah. <laughs> but um, you know her India character. I really liked. I I I enjoyed that. It's it's. I always like when someone takes a genre and kind of either takes a darker look at it or just turns it on its head a bit. And it does that here a bit with the, the coming of age. Uh, I will say the story for a dark, say, coming of age film, Heathers, I think, did it better, uh, <laughs> you know, without it getting incestual. Uh, but, hey, you know, <laughs> some people just like to go for that uh, that shock value. What? What I like about the India character, though, because, yes, folks, this is a spoiler room. So if you aren't uh, ready for the spoilers, uh, well, you're here. So too bad. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about first the India character. You mentioned, Ian, that she was kind of the Winona writer from a Tim Burton film if, if she was actually serious. Uh, was there nothing that you liked about her character? I mean, I, I don't even really think she was a character. She mm -hmm. was, you know, uh, how was she different at the end of the film than she was at the beginning, aside from what she demonstrably manifested? It, I think that might be the point, uh, actually. She made me laugh. <laughs> she, she says, well, I was trying to get your attention, officer, and then just poke. <laughs> Well, the the it, thing. Oh, go ahead, you know Carl. She, you know what? At that, you know what? She developed a sense of humor. It made me laugh. <laughs> I, you know, the, my whole problem with that was, I, it's a, it's a problem I have with a lot of stuff in this movie. For as artsy as it was, it telegraphed absolutely everything. Mm -hmm. You know, she sits down in the car, and she sees the shears, and so mm -hmm. it cuts to a wide shot of her racing down the street or the country road and the sheriff chasing after him like, okay, he's going to pull her over and she's going to stab him in the neck. Mm -hmm. And I had to wait like three minutes for the most obvious payoff. And it was, you know, it was also cruel because he would, you know, I guess that it, it goes back to the whole like duck hunting thing with her mm -hmm. dad or whatever, but mm. there was nothing about that particular character. Maybe if they'd made him you know, vile or, or depraved like those leering schoolboys, but he was just yeah. a guy doing his job, right? And so I got no satisfaction. Like like I said, this movie was morally reprehensible. Like, I didn't like her character at the end. I didn't think she had any moment of triumph that she deserved. I think she was just kind of a monster that, you know, if her arc was just being brought out of her shell to actually start killing people, then, you know, I guess that's what you might call character development in this case. But at the end of it, I just, I, was, I felt kind of gross and I was happy to turn it off. Well, I mean, would you say that it's implied that something like that runs in the family? I mean, the it's, it's very heavy handed. I mean, mm -hmm. the, the younger brother, uh, Jonathan, the little kid, when it comes out that uh, Charlie, who is Matthew Good's character, when he was a little boy, he was like nine and Richard, who was the father who dies at the beginning of the movie, he was like 18 or 19. Uh, they're on their estate. Uh, Charlie has the, the slide leading down into the sand pit or the sandbox. He digs a giant hole. He has his brother slide down the slide, gets trapped in the hole, buries him alive, 
And then the older brother sees Charlie making sand angels. And you parallel that with uh, India as a teenager making yeah. bed angels. It's like, oh, I guess it runs in the family. You know, it's just this kind of stuff. Like, it doesn't make any goddamn sense. Well, they, know, is there a psychic connection that she like, oh, I, I have a feeling that at some point somewhere in my bloodline, someone made, you know, uh, bed angels. I'm going to do this. It's artsy, but it doesn't mean anything. Well, they, um, what, what do you call it? Like maybe just that subconscious, they're drawing parallels. But then you also had mm -hmm. India running down the slide in that scene right before they, they um, killed What's-His-Face. Right. I mean, it's, it's poetry in the sense that the filmmakers, I think, thought, wouldn't this be clever and cool? But if you look at it from a story standpoint, it doesn't make any sense. Much like the whole conceit of Charlie got sent away to the institution when he was a boy and Richard gets him out when he's an adult or he's, you know, decides he, well, I don't know how the hell that worked, but he came and got him as an adult. Mm -hmm. And yet for 18 years, he's been writing letters to Richard's daughter. How does he know that she has a daughter? Uh, and also, you know, couldn't Richard, who the family has been keeping these letters secret, that's a well-worn device, you know, why didn't you ever show me these letters that my so-and-so has been sending me all these years? Uh, why didn't Richard or the wife, played by Nicole Kidman, go to the institution and say, you cannot let these, you can't let him keep writing letters to yeah. our three-year-old daughter? And, and grooming her and saying, like, I can't wait to meet you when we grow up. I wish you were here on all my travels. And, oh, I can't wait to see what a fine young woman you become. Like, none of this movie makes any sense. Well, okay. I'd like to comb and braid your hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Well, yeah. I, I, I know they don't show it, but I had assumed that at one point, um, you know, he either learned from it, either from, you know, early conversations before uh Richard stopped visiting him uh or because there was a huge there is a large difference in age between um <clears throat> between Charles and Richard for sure that we know already you know so he's he's almost like a father of sorts but we don't know you know it's kind of implied that he because they mentioned that he they donated the building his family donated the building specifically for like keeping <laughs> almost like keeping just rich uh, uh just keeping uh, uh uncle charlie there though there are other people as well right there, but i never but... got the, i never got the sense that richard went to visit charlie like it felt like he put him there so he could go off and, and live his own life unless i missed something R right well he may have but we don't know um if their mom or parent or whatnot may have or aunt he's got they had the aunt uh the aunt show up we know there's other family members they may have gone to visit uh, yeah but that's that's a reach that goes way outside the boundaries of the story well yeah um, that's but and, it's and that's true. it's not yeah, it's not fair <laughs> <laughs> but you know i it, for me i i like piecing stuff together i guess so i just assumed that well, he had found there i mean they're a high he what they call it richard is a referred to as a higher like he's an architect but he seems to be known so who knows it may have been even in the local paper that richard got um or not the local paper because he was two states away uh but who knows how he found out um, well but but that still doesn't solve the second problem is why were those letters allowed to keep coming to the house yeah 
I mean, um, if someone's if someone is writing, especially a family member is writing creepy letters to my young child, you better believe I'm going to put a stop to it one way or the other. I'm certainly not keeping them. Like, why? I don't. What? He, he had beautiful calligraphy. There you yes, go. Yes, nice little drawings down at the bottom. It was very. I, th those were that that whole sequence was very nicely done. Um, like with the writing, starting off with the writing on the screen and, and all that stuff. Yeah, I like that. I like the the visual flourishes. That was really cool. But the, I mean, the thing that makes me cur more curious is okay. He he goes there. He picks up. Uh, Charlie, and then he's like, okay, I'm turning you loose. I'm shipping you off to New York. And he sees how stressed the guy is. It's like, obviously, this guy cannot cope with just being sent away. Obviously, he has this um, attachment that he needs to be around this family. So it's like, why doesn't it not register with him? I, you know what, I can't do this to you. I have to figure out something else to do with you because you're obviously falling to pieces right in front of me. Yeah, and and that that also helps me call into question whether or not he had visited him in that entire time, mm -hmm. because you would think that he would have picked up on that during some of his visitation, unless of course Charlie had put on the like. There's there is a, a wide gulf between the suave kind of like a mysterious guy coming in out of town. You know, I'm Brother Frank. You know, for, like from Hellraiser, yeah. uh, and then the and the mushy kind of like sappy like freaking out guy that is in the car. Like, I don't know how easy that personality is to conceal because that's the only time that we see through that facade in the film. And I was kind of curious about what that was all about, but we never we never get into it. Yeah, I mean, there's there's obviously two sides to him because and him getting discharged, who knows, he may have turned on his charm. I'll put that in quotes, his charm uh -huh. or whatnot on the people because you get the one scene just before he's being yeah. released with the nurse who's, you know, gonna bit she kind of goes in for like you know you get the feeling there was something between uh old charlie and and the nurse who was caretaking yeah, this madame bouvier or whatever her name was <laughs> <laughs> so, but but that personality switch in the car it feels like it was a choice that they filmed to see what would happen you know what if we played it like this and they decided no that doesn't match with anything else of this character in the movie, but they forgot to take it out because it sticks out like a sore thumb. Like, what is the point of having him have this meltdown if mm -hmm. he could have played it cool, calm, and collected and still gotten the rock and bashed his brother's head in, which I think would have been, you know, creepier if he had that stone-faced thing the whole time. Oh, well, I think it just shows that his he needed this fantasy and it, it was just not not holding like maybe he's not as as high functioning as as we're led to believe that he he really is right but and i understand that and you can explore that in the movie but it is the one instance where he is not in control it doesn't come back in flashback it doesn't come back you know at the end of the movie when he's clearly i mean he's got a rifle pointed at him and he's still you know mm -hmm. cocky enough to be like india come here and see what yeah he thinks um, she's on his side Right. And, you know, a little bit of a flicker of, you know, of him panicking, because if he's if he's freaking out when his brother is saying, look, here's several thousand dollars and a bus ticket to New York, mm -hmm. I would assume he would be equally, you know, even more so pissing his pants when he's got a, a damn rifle pointed at his head. Well, that I think would have been more like an abandonment issue, like, oh, mm -hmm. you're turning me loose. Everybody's getting out of the car like nobody wants me. 
Yeah, his, which is the ultimate yeah. statement of nobody wants me when the person he thought he was leaving town with is pointing a gun in his head. Oh, that's true. that's abandonment times ten. <laughs> yeah, that that is true though. She doesn't give him a whole lot of time to uh, panic, register, register because he's still busy. You know, and he yeah. may you know. I, go ahead. Well, I mean, I I interpreted that as oh, I'm holding her her mom and I'm strangling her, and India's going to finish her off for me. Is the way I right. interpreted that. Right. The reason he didn't panic so much is because he thinks possibly that India is going to give the finishing blow to mom because he's got in this fantasy they're going to go off together. And, uh, you know, she India has kind of played to it because she just wants to get out of this situation with her alcoholic mom who blacks out all the time and is very privileged. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, she uh, and the way I got it as well was the reason he didn't quite panic too much was because he thought maybe she was going to shoot mom instead of. Yeah. And I, I know, definitely, that was know. the way that it was, was, you know, being played. But again, because this movie telegraphs absolutely everything, I knew that Nicole Kidman was completely safe. Um, but my point is if you're going to play that, you know, arrogance to the point of like not understanding that your own death is imminent, you need to take out that car scene. You need to have him be mm. ultimately so full of himself that it would make sense at the end where he was, you know, his narcissism overrides his survival instinct. We've seen this better, done better in, in other films, I think. And having that bit of a meltdown, that crack in the character, especially if you're not going to have that bit, fine, but pepper it throughout the rest of the film, you know, have because he doesn't, he never mm -hmm. breaks like throughout the rest of his performance. He's always that guy, except for that one moment. Yeah, I'm I'm agreeing with that. Like, it's kind of, what do you say, like um, a plot hole. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, an, an abandoned or a, a, a dangling plot. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's yeah. more of a dangling plot thread because I get the feeling that, you know, because this is a very breezy hour, 38 minutes. Maybe there was something that was was cut out or, or whatever, but it just, it feels kind of incomplete. Well, in the trailer, which we'll we'll talk about a little later, uh, in the trailer <laughs> there is well. there's a line or two in the trailer that wasn't in the movie. So there is obviously stuff that's on the cutting room floor mm -hmm. um, that I think maybe alludes to it, and maybe they cut it uh, because um, you know producers get in the way and they say, "No, we got to cut this down." They might not like it, given the subject matter. I'm surprised this got you know, released what it did because I mean, the idea that there's a crazy uncle, crazy uncle who's been trying to groom the, you know, the daughter, the daughter, uh, you, you know, who's been taking care of drunk mom and who was really close to dad. Uh, the daughter has her own problems. I mean, this, this film is dark and there's a lot of. Well, and they never talk about the relationship between mom and dad. All they really tell us is about how close the, the the daughter and the father were but like right. did mom actually even love dad they they never tell us anything about that well they they do they get into a little a little bit it's because nicole kidman i keep calling her nicole kidman i gotta find evelyn out evelyn. evelyn okay they do early on uh as i think it was around the time of the funeral um evelyn says that you know she loved richard um and that Charlie reminded her of Richard when they were younger and they were closer. Mm -hmm. um, you get the feeling they were married for quite a long time.
but yeah, Richard had a much better relationship with uh, with the daughter, and the mom was kind of kind of not that it didn't feel like she was shut out. It felt like she just let them have their own space and let their relationship flourish in a way that that hers and Richard kind of had had gotten stale up until the point. But she was really torn up. Like in the opening uh, kind of montage, we hear Evelyn, you know, get the news on the phone and she starts screaming, Richard, you know, Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, I don't know. It's just because the thing that really stuck with me is mom seems to have really moved past it more easily than India, like, or maybe it's just, she's trying to, to adjust more, um, make things seem better adjusted. Like, let's go get some ice cream. Let's go have a girl's day. And I don't know, maybe she's in denial. I'm, I'm kind of trying to figure that one out. Well, Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, oh. what's the way Nicole Kidman plays it. And, and you're right. Even though she inspired our Nicole Kidman in 4d, uh, she's not in it that long, but she makes the most of every scene that she's in. And the way she the way she plays this, it, and it's not necessarily in the dialogue, but it's just in the way she she physically acts in this film. Um, you get the idea that one, yes, uh, I suspect, or I got the impression that she subconsciously became in not, for lack of a better term, intimidated or not so much jealous, maybe jealous of when. India grew older, she had interests of dad and dad took interest in his daughter, not realizing later on, we get the line of why he's actually was trying to stay close to India. But I think I always got the impression the way Nick Kidman plays this is that one, she felt jealous of India in a way because she had more of the of Richard's attention than she could get thinking that it was her age because she like there is that one line of you know, she thinks of Charlie, but a younger version of Richard. So mm-hmm. enter, pardon my French, but cougar mode of sorts to where, <laughs> you know, she she's lost her husband. She's in a vulnerable state. Here's a guy who here's someone who looks like her husband when she first fell in love with him. So she, mm-hmm. who doesn't, as far as she knows right away, have an attachment to India. So again, she's seen almost like a second chance of sorts or try to mm. do a redo just like with a redo with india oh let's get ice cream or whatnot something that feels just like something they never really did before you know and little did they know little does mom know that uh old india is just a uh a budding psychopath so <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i think i think you're a lot right there mark i mean uh carter what you were saying earlier you know that um you know, India seemed to be having a harder time getting over her dad than than Evelyn. I think that's partially because they had that stronger um, bond. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think, and this is this the first. I like the movie you're describing, Mark, more than I like the actual movie we got because. <laughs> well, no, I mean, because seriously, I think there's something really there, and it, it kind of goes back to the Hellraiser thing mm-hmm. um, with the you know the the younger brother coming in and kind of like sweeping the the grieving wife off her feet, even though Julia in that movie was not grieving because, uh, you know, her husband died. It's because the relationship was dead. Right. He, at one point he said, you know, to Kirsty, don't, don't mourn your father. He was dead long before we got to him. Mm-hmm. It's that whole thing of like sweeping in to fill that, that loneliness gap there. I mean, you could have restructured this movie I mean, you could have had a really interesting family psychodrama minus the serial killing, you know, genes or whatever they're trying to do. 
You don't even have to kill Richard off. You could just have, you know, hey, here's our world traveling uncle. He's coming into town and sweeping mom off her feet while dad and daughter are off, like kind of having their bonding. And it's not because they don't love each other. There's real infidelity on her part or what, or Richard's part. It's just because they've grown apart. And what does that do when you've got this X factor introduced? But in this movie, that's manifested as uh, a half a dozen or maybe even a dozen shots of people in corners beginning to make out or grabbing each other's belts or whatever. I'm like, yeah, this is, it's quote unquote sensual, but I don't, where's the character? Well, that, that makes me curious. So is, is the issue you find with this, the, like, do you find that the pacing's too slow is, is why you don't care for it too much? No, I, Mark will tell you, I love a good slow movie. He, um, he loves a slow movie. <laughs> um, you like a movie with me. a slow hand? <laughs> oh, yes. And, and she definitely had a slow hand in that shower. Uh, but no, um, no, uh, but, and Mark, sidebar, um, we talked about Night of Cups last year or the year before. Yeah, yeah. Um, I watched a movie recently called Three Worlds, which is also art house, but it's the more accessible version of Night of Cups, which I really recommend. Mm, okay. Um, but no, it's not the it's not the pacing of the movie. It's just that I kept I've seen I've seen less artsy versions of this movie and this story before. Mm -hmm. um, you know the the centralized and like oh we shouldn't be doing this and oh somebody's watching and like okay what is this adding up to? And the answer is not much, except they, you know, uncle turns out to be a killer. That's why the last half hour of this thing, when they finally reveal that it's not just, you know, some, you know, tired, weird family infidelity thriller, and it's got some real teeth to it. That's when I really kind of woke up. <laughs> well, what do you, what'd you think of that? The, there's the, the, piano scene which is the the awakening <laughs> yeah i knew i knew ian was gonna have that reaction let's get cars first what'd you think of the <laughs> piano scene the the, the it's literally almost at the half way mark which again i think made me led me to believe that maybe producers got into the editing booth and said yeah we got to cut some <laughs> stuff out because <laughs> the exact at the exact halfway point is the point when india it, you know, I don't know, you know, is awoken. The the woman part of India is kind of awoken with this piano duet with uh, Uncle Charlie. Cara, what'd you think of this, this scene? Well, I, I think it's interesting, especially since they've already discussed she doesn't like being touched, but they're sitting so closely and they, they already have like this connection via music without actually, you know, touching each other, being sexual. And it, I don't recall if at some point she's sitting on his lap, but I, for some no. reason I want to say I remember it that way. No, like, they're they're just it, next to each other. They're, she never it, actually. It, it seems like she practically is though. Right, but, right. Um, when he reaches his arm around, yeah, and they're they're like up against each other quite fervently. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, I thought it was well done. I mean. Yeah, I mean it's it's very. I, I guess you could say it, it's tense, it's sexual. Um, I mean it's it's done tastefully, it's classy, but you know it's 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 fairly steamy windows. <laughs> and Ian, uh, you you put your 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 hand in your, your up to your face for for this scene. <laughs> I I gotta give them credit um, 
for making it actual incest instead of like, oh, she's our adopted daughter. Yeah. <laughs> Uncle Charlie isn't really blood. Um, but I'm watching this and like, okay, so Charlie's like 35 or something and they they do the thing. We're like, oh, but she's she's 18. That makes it all great. I'm like, okay, yeah, but like three days earlier, she was 17. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, none of this is okay. Mm -hmm. uh, she it's, looks more it's, like she's 25. Well, she was 23, so. Oh, close. <laughs> she was close. Yeah. Maybe that's, that's why it doesn't bother me. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's just the whole idea that it is actually, you know, your family. It's just mm -hmm. like that. It's strange and weird, and I was waiting for someone to pump the brakes, and no, they just stepped on the gas, and then they flipped the Nas switch uh, <laughs> in terms of <laughs> where this thing goes. Yeah, but it was um, still it was still family. No, anyway. Yeah, so, but I mean, <laughs> technically there was no touching. There was what? Really. No, she he had his arm around her. Okay, and but it, he didn't it, he didn't grab anything. He didn't, but she was. They were like rubbing up against each other. I mean, you mentioned that she was practically in his lap and she was. I mean, he had uh -huh. he was as close as he could possibly be and she did from what I was watching achieve at least a light orgasm. Mm -hmm. uh, and then she turns around and, and he's gone, so I don't know if it's supposed to like oh, it was all a, a vision or a fantasy. I I don't think so. Yeah. Um but yeah, there's just something it's I, I can't quite I mean, put like, my finger on it, but yeah, it's like it's 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 skeevy. And the problem is, <laughs> I guess to the point, it's someone's supposed to find this erotic because it's filmed in the way of like a basic instinct thing. Where like, oh, mm -hmm. the people are kind of getting it on, and she's having a sexual awakening. I'm like, yeah, yeah, but that's her uncle. <laughs> I mean, it's it's weird because it it's kind of played off, at least for me, it's played off in two different ways. Like, yeah, it's sexual, but then it's also weirdly innocent at the same time. That's not good. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's, I mean, it, it kind of, to me, it looks like they're trying to present it both ways at the same time. Well, the one, the one thing with that scene too, and, and why it's, you know, it's the piv why I wanted to cover it too, is because kind of the pivotal pivot point for, for her, as far as, you know, w what she's discovered. It, they almost play it off like it was her imagination. Mm -hmm. Like like she was playing and she was imagining him coming up and doing this, uh, you know, but they throw a few dirt specks on the seat to maybe imply that he was there, though. he It's a big room. He would if he he didn't split that quietly that quickly, baby. I mean, I know he's a snake, but um, <laughs> so it very well could have been just in her mind thinking that's what he was going to do, you know, kind of implying it. But the way it's shot, it almost feels like it's real. And I think that's the point of it. But again, and I get where you're coming from, Ian. There's other movies, too, to where if mm. if you've got that concept and it it really bugs you, which it, it should, and don't get me wrong, but if, yeah. if, if that's something that really keeps, you know, there, I could definitely see how that would just, everything else gets even more amplified with your experience in watching it just because you're like, yeah, I don't like this. I mean, I'm like that with your f most wonderful comedy. Uh, Freddie got fingered for me. I can't get past Tom Green's comedy as much as I try. I try to find Aww. the humor or what. Oh, great. Oh, great. <laughs> oh, no. No. no well, you mentioned that. And I love the scene where the, oh, they dude. throw the skateboard at the broken knee. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. And then he's licking it too. <laughs> 
We've lost Mark. <laughs> Mark, come back. It's your show. <laughs> Another one. Oh, my Lord. Okay. I'm sorry, brother, but what I'm saying is that, no, I totally get it with, you know, certain films and that if, if there's things being presented that just bug you, it can definitely... It's, you know, yeah. like, here's the thing. I don't even necessarily have a problem with the concept of incest mm -hmm. um, and exploring that in a movie. It's just that when it's kind of like, and I, you know, I, I'm going to tread very delicately here, but concerns about depictions of rape in movies, right? And is showing that in a way that could be considered erotic or to turn an audience right. on mm -hmm. when you're trying to depict something that is absolutely, you know, filthy and, and horrifying and disgusting. Yeah. I kind of feel that way in, you know, not that I watch a lot of incest movies or anything like that, <laughs> no, but when it comes no. up, I'm like, what is the filmmaker trying to right. achieve here? Am I supposed to be, am I supposed to be rooting for either of these characters as far as like, oh, I'm having a sexual awakening. I'm like, yes, again, but it's your uncle. <laughs> so are you saying like potentially it's open to interpretation? Like maybe the piano playing was innocent and she fantasized all of that or did it actually happen and it was like whoa that actually was intense did i see this like did i actually see this thing i did i did see it um <laughs> but the thing is like like i don't know if it's a fantasy or not because yeah he did kind of batman his way out of there although there was sort of evidence on the seat maybe it was kind of like dirty but i don't know maybe she was maybe the the set dresser just forgot to dust off the seat it was he a very weird have. choice they, they yeah. might have yeah it looked like someone was sitting in like those uh like wood chips out in the playground and then they had some <laughs> on their pants and then they played the piano. Um, well, um, yeah. because I never gave it thought, but it just kind of, and now it just makes me curious if they purposely left it open to interpretation. Maybe. I, I think they did. <laughs> that way, if uh, people threw a fit about the scene, they could say, well, it was just in her mind. It didn't actually happen. That was just her fantasy you know, whether or not that was their intention or not. And I think it's supposed to be left kind of open like that uh, to make you wonder because, uh, you know, we get um, obviously the one shower scene later on after they, they kill the, the boy together. Uh, you know, the way I looked at this, this film was more of just, and you're right, a lot of it's telegraphed. I didn't mind the telegraph stuff. I'm like, okay, especially with the run time. When you look at the runtime, you're like, yeah, it's, they're going to, they're going to just cut right to the chase of sorts. Um, but this is almost like just an origin story for a, a serial killer. <laughs> you know, like I want to see the next movie with India going to New York and, and, and doing these things, you know, because she, she was a fascinating character. I, one of the scenes I really enjoyed was where she confronts the bullies. I have to admit, I, 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 I really dug that seat out of her own once she got the, because she had gotten the confidence after the mm -hmm. fantasy scene of the piano, um, you know, uh, and, and she's smart. And, and I guess that's my appeal to her character too, is in, in most aspects, she's very intelligent person. You know, I mean, at least she got her wits about her because she leaves the, she sees that her uncle's out front and she, she, even before she saw the notes, she's like, yeah, that dude's creepy. And you know, everything outside of her subconscious is telling her, yeah, avoid him. So she goes the other way and runs into the creepy boys. But as she sees him, she immediately pulls out that pencil. I just love that scene. I know how it's going to go, but I love that scene. 
I I did like the uh, like the aftermath of that when mm-hmm. she's putting it through the pencil sharpener and the, and the bits of flesh are coming out. Yeah, that was nice. Mm-hmm. Now, Ed, Ed, you mentioned the sound design, Mark. I it drove me crazy because yeah. like everything else in there, everything was kind of cranked up, so it's very mm-hmm. loud. Mm-hmm. Like when she's rolling the hard boiled egg on the table, it's like. <laughs> <laughs> And then they do that that horror movie trope that never makes any sense. You don't actually see it, but you it's you hear it and it's implied based on what he's doing. But there's a bit where Charlie's in the kitchen preparing something and he pulls the knife out of the butcher block and they, they do the It doesn't make that sound unless you're scraping it against another knife. Wait, your, next knife, to a microphone. your, knife, your knives don't do that? The they, I <laughs> wish they did. But no, like every all of the sound effects in this movie were cranked up to the point where like, okay, if I'm just walking around in regular life, I wouldn't be able to hear half of those things like at all. But, you know, they had to pay the sound guy, I guess. Well, now you Um, can. You can watch the movie and now you know what those sound like. See, so that helps you. It helps you. Yeah. But when she's doing the thing with a pencil sharpener, the visual was undercut by the audio because I'm like, Uh, wow, that's really <laughs> I'm like, just let me enjoy it, please. Just give me a moment. What about you, Kari? The bully scene? Did you? Did you? I I liked that. The I remember the first time watching it, even and even this time because I'd forgotten. I I wasn't expecting that pin, so I was like, whoa. <laughs> well, well, what I like, well, what I thought was interesting about that too was. That happened, and I guess it's a little bit of variation from what we see normally, is uh, his buddies go rushing to him rather than, like, someone grabbing her or something and holding her there, you know, because she did something violent to their buddy. They all went to their buddy, and then he wanted at, uh, you know, India, and then Wade, I think his name is, shows up as... Whip. Or Whip, who we realized was just playing India as well later on yeah is the impression mm-hmm. i always got he just was always playing her as just being the one that breaks through the odd girl um you know he comes up and goes yo man it's over with she said you know and i want to see her yeah go at her again go ahead you're gonna get a you're gonna get a pencil to the throat <laughs> what you're gonna get. it was it was a really well choreographed scene because that guy i think it was lucas till yeah mm-hmm. he he reaches out to strike her and she blocks with the pencil <laughs> and you almost don't quite it doesn't quite register until the the hand comes back or you see the pencil like yeah. pull back with that little black bloody stump oh. yeah that was that was well done i i will say the presentation of the high school boys was cartoonish even by like high school boys suck measures mm-hmm. big because all right, yeah, you've got the one kid who sucks, then he's got this whole group of, like, all of them have blonde hair, including the black guy. Um, <laughs> my God. And then you've got Whip, who turns out to be the nice guy who is also the the budding rapist. But going back to that, the first time you see the high school scene is, like, in an art class where the, the kids are, like, it's not even like they're whispering stuff to her. They're opening, openly, like, mocking her and shoving, like, nude pictures in her face and saying stuff that the teacher hears, and then the bell rings, and then everyone just leaves. There's no, like, I need to see you boys after class or, hey, are you okay? It's just like, you know, this is a sexual harassment tech, technical high school. 
<laughs> yeah, there is that, though. One of the things I do like the way they play that, though, is how she is unaffected by him uh, at any point. She, you know, at least doesn't show any. He puts the new drawing of her drawing someone in front of her, and she just pauses for a moment, and then she starts drawing in it, and he's just like, wait, what the hell? You know, <laughs> not getting the reaction he's hoping for. And then the bully part I, I, I kind of like because they did not get the reaction they were looking for from her. And it wasn't like she was putting up a front and then she sil silently went into the bathroom and like cried or whatnot. No, because as I said, at its core, this story is about the origin story of a serial killer who will go on later and be tracked down by a detective played probably by Woody Harrelson. And <laughs> there, <laughs> um, you know, uh, and I, I, I thought that was an interesting approach, but they at least keep her kind of psychopathic tendencies throughout to where you, you, you know, there's something more dark in her. Um, even uh, with yeah. the, out the heavy handedness of the dad taking her out hunting to make sure she kills birds instead of kills people. <laughs> Pre Dexter yeah, I mean, Morgan. <laughs> well, I, I understand like what they do with her character. I think that's, it's all very, you know, well done here. My point is contrast, because mm -hmm. when you've got three scenes involving high school boys or a high school teacher and they all turn out to be monsters, that doesn't smack to me of a filmmaker trying to you know, portray high school life. It smacks of a filmmaker with a beef against like high school boys or men <laughs> in general. Like, yes, they're all like secretly or not so secretly monsters. I'm like... Mm -hmm. You know, you already have a movie about people who are kind of maybe secretly monsters. So just like one bit of contrast out of those three encounters, have at least one person be not a piece of shit. <laughs> it's like well, watching a movie well, with like, you know, like all the blondes in it are whores. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, what I are you talking about? The one on the left was just a tease. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what they say about I don't know. It's, no, no, no. What they say about teasers. There's, but yeah, there's, there's other lines you could never mind. Anyway, we won't go down that road. Uh, regular price for bucks for bucks for bucks. Anyway, if you know the joke, you, <laughs> he knows the joke. I made him laugh. Oh, you you're, you're on a streak with this Nicole Kidman month, man. I don't think I've had this much like show stopping <laughs> laughter reactions any of our shows. but Man. you know the, the only thing that i could take i could possibly explain it away with what they were maybe trying to do it not well necessarily and again i like this movie but i fully recognize it's it's works at all not trying to portray it but we never leave india we're always seeing the world from her perspective uh, I don't think at any one point we we leave her. We're always by her side or we're seeing the world through her eyes. So maybe we're seeing how the boys are, you know, they're doing bad stuff. But as far as, like you said, the teacher interjecting or whatnot, maybe we're not seeing it just because she's ignoring it or whatnot. So we're seeing everything just through her perspective. That's not quite true. Mm-hmm. Although I can't remember the context because we do get that whole jag of what happened to Richard and him going to pick up Charlie. Okay, the there's, yeah, there's insane the asylum. background. Yeah. But, but where, I, I just watched this movie today, but I can't remember, why did we see that scene? 
Was it just the film cutting to that or was someone talking about it or, or remembering something? What, where did that whole montage come from? Which scene? You mean the, with the, getting the Richard? secret origin of like, yeah, him going to get Charlie and then they go that, in the car. And yeah. what that spawned from is her because she at the beginning, she received the yellow box. But instead of shoes for once, she received a key and uh -huh. the key was actually from the maid, not from her dad. Because she's like, oh, I thought dad was giving me these shoes the whole time, which he was. She, this time, the maid gave her the key because she's 18. And therefore, mm -hmm. she wanted her to find dad's secret stash, the gun, and then the photos. And then you have the photos of the kids. And you have one kid there that she's never heard of now. And she's like, well, who's the lost brother? And then she kind of puts things together from there. And then when we see that that sparks the flashback not necessarily for her but who these people are um because i'm wondering now that you mention it mark and i'd have to probably go watch the movie again mm -hmm. but are those flashbacks even things that she's putting together from looking at that material or is it the movie taking a time out to say here's what really happened it it's hard to say i think the film's just taking a time out to tell what really happened uh <laughs> Because, I want okay. to say that Charlie was confessing to her what he did to her father, mm, okay. at least in that scene where he's kind of having his meltdown before he kills him with the rock. Oh, this is right because she's right. Uh, there. I miss I missed something because she's taking the letters upstairs. And that's when she picks one up that she dropped and she sees the stamp of the institution on it. Right. And then he comes to visit, he comes into the house and they have that whole conversation on the stairs. And that starts the montage. Yeah. yeah. So he's confessing so, to her. Yeah. Right. So it's not all from her perspective, but it's mostly from it her is. perspective. Right. Yeah. That, that's the one thing that that's the one sticking point. I'm like, ah, we got someone else's point of view, but you're right. So it's like 95% her like. So, POV. you know, so I mean, I, while it's not conveyed, it, it it may be just the fact that it's being told since it's being told from her perspective, some of these things are either exaggerated or that's how she's seen them. Um, sure. You know, while it's not necessarily clear. So the boys are all assholes because we're seeing it through her eyes. I've seen a couple other uh, like horror films, indie films that are are female led uh, and, and nothing wrong with it. But like the way the characters are portrayed are almost exaggerated. But then you realize you're seeing the entire world from the main character's perspective. You, you never get like, well, this may be what a scene without her there. So therefore, that could be why also all the high school boys are assholes is because we're being told from her, uh, mm -hmm. you know, her angle. So that's the way I kind of always took it. Um, Either that or, you know, it is it is just stereotypical high school voice to that degree. We've seen that before, too. Uh, but this ending, yeah, I, um, I, I really love where it, at least it ends up. Again, uh, this director, one thing he does do is tends to finish his films strong, even if you don't care too much about the rest. His films really uh, end, you know, far more. You're like, okay, here we go. Um but I, I like the way this resolved. Cara, how did you feel about the ending with this? Um, I mean, I like the, and especially the fact that it was a wraparound. The, mm -hmm. but I, I like her, her description. Like I'm wearing the shoes my uncle gave me, and then you look at the heels, and it, at the beginning it gives confusion, like your your uncle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
It already already gives you that impression. Like, wait a minute, your uncle gave you heels? What? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, and and the belt of her dad and the dress of her mother, uh, yeah. you know. So there's that symbolism that's hitting you over the head that Ian mentioned. Uh. <laughs> but yeah, even just the way it's it's written, I'm like it's it's prose. I'm kind of like, oh well, this is. I like the way it's it's thought out. Like mm -hmm. um, you're supposed to actually really think about it and actually, you know, like hey, you're supposed to be paying attention to this. You know, remember this for later. Mm -hmm. And it does make for an interesting credit sequence where they actually do a freeze frame with the, the titles, which uh, I thought at first was something wrong with the feed because I was watching this yes. VOD and I'm like, wait, did it freeze? And like, oh, no, no, that's actually doing it because, you know, credit sequences are, are rare now in the front of the movie. Are rather, I, rare. I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, man, this thing is freezing. I'm, gonna <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one. Uh, but, but Ian, you said, it, it, you, at least uh, you said the ending was kind of strong. So you did enjoy at least the, when things picked up a bit. Well, I, I didn't like the end, end of the end movie, of it, right. but that's, but that's only because it's weird because like in a movie where there's basically two, only two positive portrayals of men mm -hmm. and they're, they're the ones that you spend the least amount of time with there's richard the father who right. you only see in flashback or when he's getting you know and or when he's getting murdered and then there's the sheriff who is just doing his job like hey you know you called because you were in a panic i'm here to see if everything's okay by the way did your mate ever come back boy a lot of people seem to be disappearing around here lately but he's not you know, I almost, and I know this is going to sound really hypocritical given what I just, you know, talked about with the high school kids, but if he had given her like a leering look or made some kind of an advance or put her, you know, yelled at her for wasting his time for coming out for some nonsense call, hmm. that could have at least given me some indication of like, okay, this guy quote unquote deserves to die. Mm -hmm. But he's not. Like he pulls her over for speeding and he's like, you know, you're certainly in a hurry. Is everything Okay. And she just knifes him in the neck. And I'm like, he's just an innocent small town sheriff doing his job. And this whole like, again, artsy, beautiful, like arterial spray splashing against the flowers. If that had been her stalking Charlie through those weeds and those flowers, I think that would have been a beautiful poetic ending. But it's just this innocent guy. I'm like, again, what am I supposed to be taking from this? You know, just that her coldness, I guess, is what you're taking. The, the only motivation I could see for her killing him is that when she when he is talking to her, he doesn't believe, even though he says, OK, you know, he, you get the impression the sheriff thinks something's not on the up and up with this group. But he, he's not quite letting on with them, but enough to where she's intelligent enough where she's picking up going. Yeah, he is a possible, you know, uh, uh loophole in here so she kills him because the impression i got because th th she doesn't bother cleaning up the blood after she drags old uncle's body down to the grave and buries him next to his other victims you fully get the impression that uh she may either want to frame mom or something for it you know or just give the impression enough to where she goes away but she can't do that if you get the sheriff who is like, yeah, well, I was out there and the uncle was acting kind of weird around her. But if she kills him, then, uh, you know, she could she's got more of a chance to fade into the the mass 
bodies of New York, a fake ID and all that, which you figure, yeah, she could probably get away with. Um, See, I like, I like, again, you're describing a movie that I would have <laughs> rather watched because how's this for an alternate ending? Mm. She doesn't go speeding out of town. She just like drives out of town. She happens to pass the sheriff's car as he's like right. just going somewhere. She leaves town. Uh, sometime later, the sheriff gets an anonymous phone call. Hey, go to the Stoker residence and look under those giant rocks in the front yard. And who's the number one suspect there? It's mom. Yeah. Because she's the grieving widow. Maybe she had jealousy issues or something. You could plant a story. And then she goes down. And then you've got India going off to live in New York sure. in a gender-swapped version of American Psycho that I would yeah. totally watch. <laughs> It'd be better than the original American Psycho 2. Uh, that's Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. The American Psycho 2. Okay, yes. With Mila Kunis. Oh, my God. Uh. <laughs> I don't even remember the story other than I didn't like it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I barely remember that. I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, no comment. That's a showstopper. American That's a Psycho showstopper. 2. <laughs> American Psycho 2 just shut this whole conversation down. Well, uh, we're, I was go going to say the, the boulders in the yard. Uh, I was thinking that all of them were. I was thinking the whole thing was a graveyard that somebody was under all of them. There was. I think yeah. I think so cuz they had the the maid Aunt Jenny uh, uh eventually Charlie Wade, yeah, or Charlie Whip was probably Whip, under yeah. there too. Alden Aaron right? Yeah, Whip Whip the Whip the maid and uh Aunt Jenny were all under the rocks and then that's why she put him next to them. So that when it's found, it's like, oh, hey, there's everybody, uh, <laughs> you know, um, because she did bought that blood trail there. You know, you you know, Evelyn's not going to clean that up. She's just going to try to leave the building as well, probably, uh, if she knows how to drive anymore. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not saying that to be mean. I'm just saying because of her, the way her character was being privileged and, and, and whatnot. Who knows? Maybe she she didn't really drive herself. Um but that was the part, uh, folks, where, funny. where we're going to play it, uh, play the trailer trash or trailer truth to where uh, my <laughs> guests have watched the trailer and we all watch the same trailer. And so we're going to get their judgment to see if the trailer for this is trailer trash or if it tells the truth. So, Kara, you go first. Uh, is it trailer trash or is it trailer truth? It's a lie. I win. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> I concede. <laughs> so, so, so I don't know what to do with that now. Uh, so, but, so, so did it? Did it? Did it? Did it reveal the truth of of what the film actually is, or did it? Did it try to give something different? I. I watched it thinking that it painted the mom as the the bad guy and that mm -hmm. that she was psychotic and she was the one behind the death of the father. And then I was thinking, oh, you know what? The daughter's psychotic too. Right. So yeah, there there yeah, there's definitely no loss that there's something wrong with the daughter in the trailer. They kind of they they don't really hide that too much. I think in it. Uh, Ian, what about you? Trailer truth or trailer trash? Well, I like I like what Kara said there because 
thinking about it now, that's absolutely true. But I didn't pick up on it when I watched the trailer mm-hmm. um, about how Nicole Kidman's character is sort of painted as a, as a villain of, of the piece. Primarily because, as we mentioned earlier, they open up with that that wonderful speech she gives at the end of the movie. movie. Oh <laughs> but they they show they give away absolutely everything in this trailer. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't know if it's because it's a difficult movie to sell, so you gotta you know do what you can to get asses in seats. But <laughs> I was very disappointed. It is. I think we did this the first time we talked about you know trailer truth or trailer trash. It is both truthful and it's trash. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. It's it's a mixture of both. Uh, and part of the reason why I like doing this segment is just looking at how they promote films versus what they really are. And this one, yeah. again, given the subject, they pretty much lay out the whole thing for you. Now, the trailer that we saw may have been very well one put on a VHS, but that's no further excuse. Well, this would have been 2013, so a DVD. Um, so that, But that's not really an excuse to show the whole movie, and they do pretty much show the whole movie and at least let you know that yeah india's got something wrong with her i mean that's that's really that's given away even in the trailer um, i mean they show they show Ginny in the phone booth yeah. they show the maid in the freezer which oh. i'm sorry that was a that was a direct lift from from psycho 2 with the, <laughs> the lady in the wall um but yeah and like alden ehrenreich on the ground like you know crying i think right before he got yeah. the, the belt around the neck i'm like the you don't have to show all of this. Yeah, there's that many kills in the movie. You don't necessarily need to show all of them. Uh, <laughs> and they pretty much do in the trailer. Uh, so there you have it. It's kind of a mixed bag, folks. It is trailer truth and trash. Uh, <laughs> so, so now, yes, it is. We, what we have here, folks, today is a Perfect 10 episode. Therefore... Let me pull it up here. We will be doing the Wheel of Random once again. So uh, let's pull up the Wheel of Random here. And here we are. So we're going to spin the wheel and see what movie we're going to cover next month. Round and round and round she goes. Where she steps, nobody knows except the algorithm. (laughs) And... There it is, folks. Woo! And this will be the first revisit of the Spoiler Room. Kind of fitting, considering we're celebrating 10 years uh, of the Spoiler Room. Very early on in the Spoiler Room episodes, we covered Under the Skin. So we're going to revisit this. For me, uh, these fine folks here and whoever else we could get it, the mostly the OG crew was on that. We'll see who we could get on or not. Uh, and we'll visit Under the Skin, the very interesting indie film that has uh, was ScarJo in it. Uh, yeah, it's it's one that uh, <clears throat> is going to be a fun conversation. If you All of these films so far have been really... You folks, you listeners, you voted on them, okay? We had a big long <laughs> list last year, and you voted on them. So we're covering a lot of interesting <laughs> movies that I didn't think we'd ever get a chance to talk about. So that, at least, is very, very cool. Uh, we'll just stop the screen there. There we go. So Under the I, Skin. Is there any chance, like, I mean, you probably have that episode in archive, right? I so do. can you 
can you figure out who was on that show and try and get them back to see like <laughs> how you feel about it 10 years on it? I, like, I, if, they're, if they're still talking to me, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I, I was thinking of that. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. But next month, Under the Skin, which given that movie could make for another interesting themed month. So I'm, I'm trying to figure maybe it'll just be a whole month of revisits. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> we'll come up with something. But there you have it. Thank you so much uh, for listening to this episode. And now, uh, license to shield to my fine guests here. Kara, the floor is yours. Have anything at all you'd like to shill? Uh, I don't have anything current. Um, I don't have anything current going on. Um, let's see. I know earlier today I shared... Um, an older video that I had done for this same movie from yeah. 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> but that's on my Twitter. If anybody wants to look that up, which is, um, retro underscore horrors on uh, awesome. twitter.com. But, um, yeah, same, same. I'm just going back to doing, um, just live streams on horror retrospectives, same as my screen name. And that's pretty much what I'm doing right now. Cool. Yeah, live streams are the thing. So, uh, and uh, speaking of live streaming, Mr. Ian Simmons is is the master at them. Uh, he doesn't stumble like myself here, and he, I'm sure you've got plenty to plug, uh, Mr. Simmons. Go ahead. Well, um, I'm Ian Simmons. I run Kicking the Seat, which you can find at kickseat.com. I'm also on YouTube. <clears throat> if you go to youtube.com and look up Kicking the Seat, I'm there. And uh, yeah, like Mark said, do uh, live streams and movie reviews and interviews and roundtables and all that stuff. Uh, this Thursday, we're going to be talking about the season three finale of The Mandalorian. Uh, we don't have a backup show. We're giving I'm giving everyone the week off of the second show. Um, but uh, yeah, so come join us, hang out, like, subscribe, all that good business. And it's a lot of fun. And Mark is a very frequent, uh, very patient and forgiving guest. Uh, and I love having him on. I think your guests are the patient and forgiving ones. I just sneak in the back door and you just silly. I've read that about accept you. Accept me. No. Yeah. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> oh, you got to buy me dinner first. Anyway, no, speaking it's of. It's all salad. What? Oh, sorry. <laughs> I Thank you for our two live viewers we've had tonight. Uh, so glad. I'd hope you've enjoyed the discussion and all my listeners out there. And yes, we've been doing this for 10 years. So I didn't do it last week because I had trivia coming up. Last week, Tuesday, was officially the 10-year mark for the Spoiler Room when we did episode zero on reboots and uh, uh, requels and sequels and such. But tomorrow, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time, here on the YouTube channel as well as our Twitch, which we broadcast to, and our Facebook group, I will be doing a live AMA slash episode, and I have no idea who's all going to show up. We may get some OG. We may get some new folks. But uh, and don't know how long it's going to go. But one of the topics of conversation outside of answering any of your questions for our live viewers who catch us uh, tomorrow night, we're going to be talking our favorite film series. So out of out of all the movies that we watch, there are IPs and series of those IPs. And we're going to be talking about our favorite ones suggested by 
uh, spoiler room regular Tanya Atomic. And so we went along with that subject. And so 10 years anniversary AMA tomorrow live. Ask me anything. Uh, and we'll be talking our favorite series. So look forward to that, folks. Like and subscribe and all that here. Like our subscribe, our Spotify channel or wherever you get your uh, podcast from and also specialmarkproductions.com. And until next time, we're going to say uh, good night, everyone. Good night. Good night. Uh, you're probably going to take a shower. Uh-oh. No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everyone. Looking for more Spoiler Room goodness? Then head on over to patreon.com slash specialmarkproductions, where you can get access to even more wonderful podcast content. Hear the conversation that happens before the live broadcast. You can also get access to an exclusive VIP episode that you vote on that's especially for you, or get early access to all our videos on YouTube, plus more. So check it out there, folks. And the more you do there, the more we can do here. And remember, with the spoiler room, the conversation is fresh, uh, but we do spoil the movies. Thank you.